Well, hello, my name is Jim Conley, the Director of Marketing here at McGraw-Hill Education, and I'm your host today of this episode of the Science Lab Radio Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you guys, as I always am, but the main reason why I'm so excited is I'm proud to feature one of my best friends in the market, Mr. Tom (laughs) Peters. He teaches at St. Louis Community College, and I was meeting with Tom uh, over the fall period time, and, and he has such a wonderful perspective just about science in general, but how he teaches, and we got to chat a little bit, and I was like, Tom, I would love to have you on Science Live Radio Podcast, and immediately Tom was like, I'll do it for sure. You just let me know when and where. We'll do that, and as you guys know, the holidays kind of took grip, and you know things happen, and all of a sudden, now we're here in the spring, and I'm just glad that you're here today, Tom. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, to be welcome here. to the show. And I, I really enjoyed our uh, kickoff too, when we were talking to, about just some of the, the pre-work that we're doing here for the episode, but then you've attended some conferences and have a great perspective too. So I'm really uh, excited to share your perspective uh, today. So what courses are you currently teaching right now? Well, um, I right th- this very minute, I'm teaching a cell bio class, which I'm actually creating, and then a human genetics class. Um, and then I have a class that's a non-bios major class. Um, and then like I kind of ongoing, I have on and off anatomy and physiology, a number of courses in neurobiology and majors bio as well. So I remember you had the same kind of roster in the fall and I was teasing you about this. I said, when do you ever sleep? Yeah, there's not a lot of sleep time, but I'm an empty nester now just to share. And so uh, I think like missing my kids, I just pour that extra energy into my love for my students. Really, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And just a quick hat tip to everybody who listens to this show that's a working parent. When your kids are younger, I know that's always a challenge. And it is nice later in life, Tom, right? When you're in the empty nest situation, you get a little extra time to dedicate it to your craft. Yes. And my daughter thinks I'm cool because she said, oh my God, you're going to be on a podcast. My dad, my, my dad's going to be on a podcast. What? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, she should know that dad is definitely cool and you will be on a podcast. And also too, this podcast is syndicated all across the globe too. So you can tell her that, that, you know, it's right now in 30 different countries um, and it's growing by the day. So yeah, you can tell her that you're not only nationwide, but you're international too. It's your passion, Jim, because I really enjoy interacting with you. As you know, we just went on and on and on in our conversation in the fall and it was awesome. Oh yeah. And when we did our pre-call here, we were talking and I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish I would have hit record because everything that you were telling me, I just kept getting more and more excited about it. So let's cut to the chase here. Let's, we're going to talk about labs and we, we talked earlier, you and I about flipping the lab. So I know right now you're using virtual labs in your courses. Um, how do you currently use them? So I I teach in two modalities right now. I have a full online class and um, I have multiple courses that I teach, which are full online. So in those classes, the virtual lab is all the students have in many regards. So those are implicitly incredibly important. But what I'm even more excited about right now is that we've kind of settled back to this hybrid model, um, which allows us either to to have the lecture online and then the lab in person or the lab online and the lecture in person. And I'm doing some really great things with the labs for both of those groups. Um, And I have to tell you, the students absolutely love my classes. They fill up right away because I think 
primarily because I give them these opportunities that they wouldn't have for working parents, for parents that can't come in to take a nine to five or an evening course. This gives them that option to do this at the times they need to do it. It's awesome. Well, Tom, I mentioned I was going to go right down the line with the questions, but I do have one where I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. That's fine. Um, and it's not too bad, but before okay. we, we were doing our planning, you were mentioning flipping the lab. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, you were talking a little bit about just some of the prerequisite knowledge and just some of the time constraints that you have with the lab. So I think you mentioned it's an hour and 50 minutes long. And now yes. like you be able to see some time efficiencies. Can you maybe share that with the audience? Sure. Um, so one of the things that I do with my non-bio major courses like human heredity or intro bio is that I spend time with students for like 20 minutes every class going over the fun- basic fundamental knowledge things that they're supposed to have brought with them to the class, uh, to the labs. And so now what I'm doing, kind of like what I did with my flipped education is I'm using the virtual labs to kind of like mock work them through things like scientific method or meiosis or mitosis or cell structure. And then we do the deeper dive. They can come right into lab, jump right in. And then I follow that up again with their online quizzes because it takes away that time that I don't need to use now in the labs that I can actually use for the labs. I can walk around, not feel rushed and do the labs. It's, it's amazing. And uh, I think we also mentioned that I have a permanent record place for the students' quizzes now, rather than getting all that paper and all that stuff, I can do it all online. And I and it gives them an opportunity to do it at their own pace if they have access needs, right? If the student has any kind of need to take like double time quizzes, we can't often do that in our labs. And so to do that online, I can offer that service to them. And it gives everybody that leveled bar that they need to be the best student they can be. Yeah, when you were mentioning that earlier, I was envisioning the best of both worlds. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm biased. We make the virtual labs and we're McGraw-Hill. So we love hearing that. But I think for you, the utility that you're experiencing with your students and really the different modalities really keeps you flexible and, and you can move around and experiment too with you know, how you're teaching and presenting the information to students. So I think that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now we're going to get to the questions. So the, um, these are tough, right? So just like your children, right? You love all your children in different ways. Um, but with virtual labs, do you have one in particular that you would set aside as your go-to or maybe your favorite lab that you use? What would that be? So Jim, are you going to really make me pick one? I would say, all right, I'm not going to pick one because you can't do that to me. Mendelian genetics and the human genetics kind of as a package deal, right? So I'll, I'll, get to, I'll keep it to two. They're, they're amazing, different organisms, and it's the graded sort of increasing level of their ability to sort of help students learn some common knowledge things that, honestly, I use across all of my courses. These are amazing for all of my courses across the board. I love it. I love it. And did you notice, Tom, I know we talked about reporting and just data and different things. Uh, when we made the updates to the reports, I think it was in the late summer um, notice some of the changes there, but what reports do you mainly use when you're teaching your courses? Well, and I'm going to start out with one quick thing, because I think a lot of um, maybe your listeners will understand this. Um, when you're teaching as many different courses, different modalities, I don't always have the luxury of checking all the reports. So I'm just going to start being very honest with you, Jim. I can't listen 
I can't do those reports every single day. However, uh, one of the things I really enjoy is that it kind of gives you the nutshell, that little screenshot that tells you, um, and, and I'm talking about the assignment reports from the virtual labs, how much time they spent on it. That's really inc incredibly important. And then the breakouts for the in-phase questions, and then looking quite honestly at those pop-up questions and understanding which ones they're getting right and which ones they're getting wrong. I can do that quickly and I can get an idea from that. Um, maybe concepts that are things that I can reinforce maybe when they come to lab. If it's a pre-lab for a flip lab, I can actually build that right in, right into the beginning of my class and say, guys, I know a lot of you missed this question and it's great. I love that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And Tom, I think that's one of the beauties of the reporting features and just some of the things you mentioned. You don't always have to use every report and it's a situational item like the pop-up questions. I think that's a fantastic use case that you just outlined there where you can go see what they're answering and then that could shape some of your lab time too. You know, maybe Absolutely. even guide some of the review that you're doing. Absolutely. I think that's excellent. Well, Tom, I know we've been pretty busy over here publishing some new labs. So recently, if you're not aware, we published 16 new biology labs that are available today. There's a lot of them listed. Um, I know, Tom, you've had a chance to use some of them and, and see them the list before. Which ones are you the most excited about as you see, you know, this brand new list of labs? Well, Jim, I'm always going to go off script with you a little bit here and just say that um, the managers from McGraw-Hill, I'm just going to shout out my favorite, Monica, Monica Lewis, right? Um, she always kind of gives me that sort of preview. So like connecting with her on a regular basis, I get this advantage in that she kind of knows maybe things that are coming down the pike that kind of get me excited to watch for. So this is kind of exciting for me. And um, so I knew that there were some coming down the line. This transgenic organisms is something that I use both for my human heredity and for my intrabio classes. Um, so looking at uh, the BT corn, I haven't used it yet in my courses, but I see this as a great tool um, for me to use for my classes. And I also noticed that there are a ton of zoology type questions um, labs that have come out um, that are really sort of geared maybe outside of my classes at the college level, but maybe more for like a high school level um, biology, like an intro bio at the high school level would use a lot more of these virtual labs. Tom, I'm so glad you gave a hat tip to Monica Lewis. So Monica Lewis is amazing. <laughs> so for the audience, just to explain to you like how this all went down. So I've known Monica for a long time. Shout out, Monica just the best. Um, she actually had this binder that was very organized and it had glitter on it, sparkles. You could just see like how exciting it was. And I remember when we were talking with Tom, we were talking about the new labs and all of a sudden Monica just like very quickly just pulls out this flyer and some notes that she had created for Tom specifically and said, here's the new labs that are coming. And we had a great discussion, but it, to me, that was a really helpful um, thing to learn how Monica did that with you and um, just really cool stuff. So yeah, big shout out to Monica Lewis. Love Monica. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very pleased. She helps a lot of our adjuncts too, because a lot of our audience may not be full-time um, and we have a lot of people that come in maybe to different, you know, different universes, to different campuses. And so having that, uh, that ability to reach out to somebody that will respond to you really quickly and give you the feedback you need Wow, what an incredible opportunity for us as faculty members, both adjuncts and full-times, 
to have those McGraw-Hill support mechanisms. And Tom, you know, it's funny, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, when you talked about BT corn, mm. I'm always like really, I don't want to say lazy, but I used to refer to it as Bitcoin. And I was training <laughs> a bunch of our newer uh, folks that are on McGraw Hill and I was calling it Bitcoin. And then they're calling it Bitcoin. But then I was reminded when I was on the phone with a faculty member, they said, it's not Bitcoin, it's BT corn. <laughs> I got to get it right. I like it, Jim. <laughs> I know, it's fun. It's fun. I, we're, we're inventing new things every day, I guess, right? Um, when we visited a few months ago, Tom, uh, we did discuss some of the new labs uh, that we have on the roster right now. But then you also had some ideas uh, of labs that you'd like to see us publish. And I think it's fair. You know, we can't always just talk about what we have and what's great. What's missing or what would you like to see added longer term? Well, I mean, I think... We, I'll start out with just the, the concepts that I think that I, I feel are very strong concepts. Doing uh, any kind of genomics and any kind of proteomics is something that I think is implicitly important for students now in this today's environment and moving forward. So having a human genome sequencing lab where they can understand how the, the sequencing um, works and, and then interpreting some of that uh, I think also looking at proteomics, it's a miss, like much less used concept in many of our courses than we could be doing. Um, many facilities probably couldn't accommodate to do this. So the virtual labs of these would be amazing for our students and opportunities, especially moving forward. And then I think I've told you this before. Um, I think what you have is amazing labs that really recreate the labs that we would use in a general lab. But I also like the fantasy labs, the idea that maybe some of these labs would build out things that we absolutely can't do. Like, can I create a tra transgenic animal um, in a lab, a virtual lab? I don't have the time, nor the resources, nor the ability to do that in a, in a, a lab, in a community college. But maybe that's something that we could do the, the basics of and have students create like a green Raw, well, not green frogs, kind of obvious, but a green rabbit or, you know, or a mouse or something like that. And they would get that process in the virtual labs. It would be, I think the students would love that, love that lab. Well, that's great. And I know you had a lot of other ideas too, but really helpful sharing that. Um, now we're going to transition or turn corners to my personal favorite part of our show that we have, which is like the tips and tricks. So this is where I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but uh, imagine you have a veteran user. So you're at a conference or maybe you're at a local regional workshop type thing and, and you encounter someone that's been using virtual labs and you need to give them a suggestion. What tip would you give a veteran today? Jim, this was a hard one. I had to think about this a little bit. You know, when I first started using the virtual labs, I just jumped right in. I gave them to students and I worked with them on that. I think what I'm learning now is that McGraw-Hill has other opportunities where you can use things that work for your, for your classes, right? So one of the higher level Bloom type taxonomy things that I do in my classes is that I do these case studies. So Buffalo case studies pro, uh, projects. Um, so I can import those, use those in my classes where you can cut and paste just a small excerpt of those. And then they get to turn those in through the McGraw Hill and I can look at those um, paper, those like mini papers. I do that every week, maybe every fourth week I do those. And I think just kind of having um, sort of the higher level quiz questions that are more aligned to your concepts, your way of thinking, 
maybe it's um, uh, I throw myself under the bus in my class a lot. I use myself as a resource and talk about my own like medical issues and stuff like that. And so like using those specific examples, I can guide quiz questions towards things that they would have heard in the actual labs. And I think probably the last piece is um, there are some labs that, that aren't developed yet. You guys are developing them as fast as possible um, that I can create by doing kind of worksheet-like labs. And so those can also be imported in as opportunities for the, for the faculty to give them a different experience that might not be available yet. Well, that's a great tip. And uh, the other thing too we'll do here fast, this is easier. Now imagine you have a brand new person and you have like one to two tips you want to give along to them to help them get started. What would that be? All right. Well, I, I, I went back to do this again because I wanted to pretend I was a um, new person coming in and not just streamlining this. Um, because I mean, one of the questions you didn't ask me was how do I flip this from one semester to another, which by the way, is one of the advantages of this as well. But the idea is that we preview these lab contents with that add assignments button. And you could, there's a little eyeball next to each of the actual project, uh, projects. And you can kind of like just dip your toe in the water, see what the layout of all the concepts would be. And then you can also kind of see what their, like the screen would look like and what the materials would look like for that lab. And sometimes I gotta be honest with you, it doesn't fit the paradigm of the class that I'm doing. Right, like a BT corn class wouldn't work for my human heredity class, right? It's transgenics, but it's probably not the type of transgenics I wanna do with my class. Um, and then I think um, one of the biggest things, and I'm gonna say this, is that uniform communication with your students about clearing their cash and cookies. The number one issue my students have over and over and over and over again, and I have to keep repeatedly telling them is to turn their computer completely off and on again to clear that cache because these videos and other these um, uh, virtual assimilations, whatever, are going to use up a lot of that cookie and cache space. And I honestly, if I post that for the first two weeks, virtually every other day, I get zero emails from students now. And then they're not bothering McGraw-Hill support as much, which by the way, another piece there, is that I always offer the students that McGraw-Hill support for any technical issues. And I try to be more of the content expert and McGraw-Hill is really good at solving those issues really quick with students. And it's usually that clearing cash and cookies thing. So if they communicate that a lot at the beginning of the semester, it'll prevent that being an issue throughout the rest of the semester. Tom, what's fascinating about that perspective, great tips. One of the, the blind spots that we have just because we don't use the software actively every day like you guys do is just exactly that. But we do use like other resources on the web and you're exactly right. Sometimes shutting down your computer, clearing your cache, maybe both is probably a good thing. Doing that regularly is always a great tip. And it's good to hear that when you do that, you know, the emails and the queries that you get uh, really go down. So that's awesome. That's a great tip. Thank you. <laughs> so definitely take advice from Tom there on that if you're using, even if you're a veteran user, that's a good tip too. Um, okay, so Tom, last question here for you because I know you're busy. Is what are some of the things you're going to be doing or you're looking forward to in this upcoming term that you're in? So right now, I, we started to talk a little bit about this idea of flipping my labs, but actually what's kind of interesting with these flipped labs is that I kind of want to get to a place where I find a way to sort of 
increase my own resources by sharing these with other faculty members. So right now I kind of have like a quiet network of people that we share between us. One of the things I was putting on a wish list to you, Jim, and people at McGraw-Hill is maybe that there would be some kind of a place where we could communicate to other people that are using the virtual labs with best practices. Um, obviously, this podcast helps out a great deal, but um, or things that they would meaningfully want to share that might be good. Um, or uh, And here's one that I think would be really incredible. You're using these labs across different platforms. So maybe it's human heredity, maybe it's for intro bio, maybe it's for anatomy and physiology, right? Because some of these work for different ways. Where do they use them in the textbooks for McGraw-Hill? Like, do I do this lab with chapter three? Do I do this book with chapter five, whatever? It Sometimes it's obvious if, if it's on cell division that you'd use mitosis and meiosis. But sometimes it fits into places like cancer biology, which may not be in the same place. And so having that advice ahead of time can save faculty members a great deal. Like, where do I put this in the course when I'm adopting the book? Where would I set up my syllabus to use these labs if I haven't done this before, if I'm new to the game? That is a great um, tip. And I, I love the fact that you're flipping your classroom. And then, as you mentioned, this podcast is one way that we can try to help people with that community concept. Uh, another couple things that maybe you know, we need to explore a little bit differently is we do have these communities called iTeach. So we have one for I teach anatomy and physiology, and there's an I teach for microbiology, where they're discussion boards. They're actually free communities for faculty. They're designed for faculty. We sponsor it, and it's a good idea sharing uh, messaging board, if you will. A lot of resources on there. So maybe we should explore doing one just specifically for virtual labs. But then the other thing that we're definitely going to be doing, Tom, and I know you and I briefly talked about this. We're going to tap your expertise and others too. So if you're interested, we want to get you involved is we're going to be um, publishing on our new website for virtual labs, some best practices. And this will be like article based. And we'll also have some videos on there where if you are interested in flipping your lab, like you are, Tom, maybe we have you write an article that's all laying out how you flip a lab. And then maybe have a quick video from you so that people have a couple different ways to consume that and learn how they can specifically do whatever the task is. And that's going to be something that we uh, as a team, so myself, and then I work with a a group of awesome marketing managers. I think, you know, Aaron Martin uh, on the non-majors biology side, but we all work on these things from a thought leadership standpoint. So we really want to kind of gear our program towards what are the top questions that you have as a user or you have as maybe a non-user of McGraw-Hill that we can help you out with. And I think the more we can do those peer-to-peer things, that's really our wheelhouse. So there'll be more to come on that, but that is just a great, great tip, Tom. I love it. You know, don't forget. I mean, I, I heard you say that it wasn't for the, the intro bio or the gen bios or the human heredity people. So I'm loving the idea that there might be an avenue for us down the future for those oh, yeah. groups as well. I, I think that's fantastic. That's great. I'm going to look forward for my anatomy and physiology class. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you that link uh, maybe after we're done with the show here. Um, But yeah, just heads up any of my uh, colleagues that are listening to this that might have budget approvals. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, The community piece, maybe that's something we'll go down the the road of. So that's super fun. Tom, I know I kept you a little bit long here and I know you have a lot to, to do today. I just uh, wanted to ask you one last question. If the audience wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
I think the easiest way is to contact me, tpeters, P-E-T-E-R-S, 34 at stlcc.edu. Amazing. And what I will do for all of the listeners, I will put that in the show notes uh, so you don't have to remember it. So when you're clicking on your podcast, uh, you'll be able to find that quickly. And Tom, just one last time, thank you for spending time with us today on the show and sharing your wonderful expertise with the audience. And I really hope we can get you back on the show sometime real soon. I loved it a lot. I think this is fantastic. You can have me back anytime. This, you are amazing. You power me. I love just getting together you kind of get me all excited and I want to go back and do more. <laughs> Definitely. And also on the hopper, I got to get down to see you again so we can share some barbecue. It's just amazing down there. Um, but for the audience, I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode of the Science Lab Radio podcast. If you could do me a big favor, if you loved this episode, which I'm sure you did because it's Tom, uh, <laughs> give us a rating. So I know Spotify just uh, added ratings to their their uh, devices, sorry. And then iTunes has always had that, um, but leave us a, a review. So that's helps us spread the word to others. Um, we'd appreciate that. If you want to be on the show, reach out to me. So my email address is james.connely nmheducation.com. If you have a show idea and you don't want to be on the show, just email me and let me know. But I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the Science Lab Radio podcast. And also just a quick ask to if you can share this with a colleague that teaches any one of these awesome courses, that'll also really help us out. And just again, want to thank each and every one of you for having spending time with us today. And Tom, again, thanks for being on the show. And we'll see you roughly in two weeks on Science Lab Radio. Sounds great. Bye. Have a great day.